This morning we pick up where we have just gotten started in, in the book of Micah. And, and even as we look at the name Micah, his name itself translates to who is like the Lord and asks this question, who is like the Lord? Who is like our God? To whom can he be compared? Who else could we follow but him? Who is like the Lord? So today we'll be jumping into the first chapter of, of the book of Micah. And as, as we talked about, as we got started in, in looking at, at this, we, we said, you know, Micah is one of the, the minor prophets. It's way down at the end of the Old Testament. And if you don't know where to find it, that is okay. We can, we can help with that. And just looking at, at Scripture and how it's laid out. We start with those first five books, the law, then a whole series of books on history, 12 of those. Then we get into the poetry that you generally find right around the middle of your Bible. If you just open up your Bible, you're probably going to be there somewhere in, in Psalms, Proverbs, around there. Depending on the number of study helps you have at the back, you might end up in the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And Micah is still coming after that. The, the minor prophets clear down at the end of the Old Testament. That's where we're going to find Micah. And as I said, there's no shame in just opening up the table of contents and looking for a page number. That's all right, too. We'll get there. Here highlighted in red were just a, a few of the, the places where that, that we talked through last week. Some of the history that was going on. Things that we read about in Second Kings and Second Chronicles uh, with the prophet Isaiah. Different things that were happening at the time that Micah was prophesying. And we said that, that even as we work through this, this book of Micah, this prophecy, this series of prophecies that we get from Micah, we see them grouped together in these cycles. Judgment and then salvation. Judgment and salvation. So as we get started today, we're, we're looking at, at a judgment section. This is not... This is not one of the, the fun sections, really, as, as we just dive right in. Things are, things are difficult as we start this book of Micah. Whereas as the prophet is looking at what's going on around him, he, I'm, I'm sure, is, is speaking, echoing the words of, of the psalmist. How long, O Lord? And it's a question that resonates in our hearts even today, doesn't it? As, as we, we hear news of, of that shooting, as we see all the, the scandals that are coming out of Hollywood, as we look around and, and watch the, the corruption and the devastation, um, human life that is just casually thrown away, that question rings in our soul, doesn't it? How long? Are you going to wait? How long do we watch this world fall apart? And Micah is right in the middle of that. He's right in the middle asking, asking that same question. How long, O Lord? Now we don't see him use those exact words, but we see in, in what he's writing, that sentiment. 
So we'll jump right in. We'll read through that whole part of chapter 1, and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll walk through it. Micah chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Hear, you peoples, all of you. Pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it. And let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from His holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of His place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under Him. The valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like water poured down from a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob, for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria a heap in the open country, a place for planting vineyards. I will pour down her stones into the valleys and uncover her foundations. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. All her wages shall be burned with fire. And all her idols I will lay waste. For from the fee of a prostitute she gathered them, and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return. For this I will lament and wail. I will go stripped and naked. I will make lamentation like the jackals, mourning like the ostriches. For her wound is incurable, and it has come to Judah. It is reached to the gate of my people to Jerusalem. Tell it not in Gath, weep not at all. In Beit El Afra, roll yourself in the dust. Pass on your way, inhabitants of Shafir, in nakedness and shame. The inhabitants of Zana do not come out. The lamentation of Beit Azel shall take away from you its standing place. For the inhabitants of Marot wait anxiously for good. Because disaster shall come down from the Lord to the gate of Jerusalem. Harness the steeds to the chariots, inhabitants of Lashish. It was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion. For in you were found the transgressions of Israel. Therefore you shall give parting gifts to Morasheth Gath. The house of Azib will be a deceitful thing to the kings of Israel. I will again bring a conqueror to you, inhabitants of Marashah. The glory of Israel shall come to Ajalam. Make yourself bald and cut off your hair for the children of your delight. Make yourself as bald as the eagle, for they shall go from you into exile. It's not a cheerful section, that's for sure. And, and there's a lot there that we... We read all these names and different things, and, and it seems difficult to make sense, which is why we're going to come back and we're going to go through that a little bit more slowly as we look at, at what Micah is saying. What, what is the content of, of this prophecy that he's giving? What do we see as the responses to it as, as he speaks against Samaria and then even against Judah? So we'll start right up there at the beginning of it as, as even in his first Word in his first line, we need to stop. He starts here, you people, all of you. Micah begins his whole prophecy with that word listen, hear. It's the same word that, that we get in Deuteronomy. When God says, hear, O Israel. 
the Lord your God. He is one you will love, the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here. And that's how Micah begins as well. Calling for everybody to hear. There's, there's this idea in it, not just, of, not just of taking in audio. Your, your mother may have said to you when you were younger, you're not listening to me. Right? And we're sitting there going, I hear you. You've been saying the same thing over and over again. And your mom's like, yeah, that's the point. You're not listening. The sound may be coming in, but it's not taking root. This idea that, that Micah starts with here is more than just sound waves hitting the eardrum, but then penetrating into the mind and into the heart and then to the feet and actually creating life change. There's, there's something in there that says, as we hear, we are changed. As we hear, we obey. And he's calling for hearing God's word. It's a thing that keeps coming up in, in the prophecies of Micah as he starts new ones. Hear this word. And we know that Micah lived in a particular time and prophesied to a particular people in a particular culture. And yet he starts out, you people, all of you, pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it. This, this first prophecy that we encounter in, in Micah comes not just to those particular people in that particular time and place, but it's opened up to everyone all the earth and all that are in it. And so it's such a sweeping and universal call. It should cause us to open our ears and, and pay attention here. As Micah continues on, we, we see creation, the earth and all that are in it, and the response to the Lord as he comes down as, as he delivers this judgment that as Micah says the Lord is coming as a witness against you the Lord from his holy place behold the Lord is coming out of his place will come down and tread upon the high places the mountains will melt under him the valleys will split open like wax before the fire like waters poured down a steep place the, the very heights and, and the foundational things of the earth are shaken as God comes forth. As, as Micah starts talking about the mountains, we, we have these idea of the things that, that are high, the things that are strong, the things that stand firm, shaking before him. The mountains, the, the place to which David fleed, as Saul pursued him, the mountains where, where David could go and, and find some security. The mountains, as, as Jerusalem itself sits up on top of a hill where it can be fortified and defended against all those that would come against it. The mountains, the place of defense, the place of strength. Yet as the Lord comes out, the mountains tremble. The mountains shake. The mountains will melt under him. And the valleys, those lower places, the places that may be lush and good for, for producing, 
They split open like wax before the fire. The very creation as, as God steps down in judgment quakes and falls apart before him. As we look through this, as, as we see the, the imagery that Micah is using, it, it almost sets up this courtroom thing where he's calling people to pay attention. It says the Lord will come as a witness. And yet the Lord is, is coming out of his place and calling things into order. And what we see in all this is, is God in this courtroom. God who, who, is, who is the bailiff calling things into order. God who is the very witness that comes and says, this is, this is what I saw, this is what's happened, this is the problem here. God is the prosecutor who takes that evidence and, and leaves it. God is the judge. God is the jury. As God tramples down the high places, God is even the executioner in all of this. That, that in this courtroom, God is of supreme authority. And as even the mountains and the valleys stand before him, they, they quake. And yet so often we can see our hearts getting hard. That we don't quake. We don't see ourselves before a holy God and, and quake. And as God is coming forth in judgment, that is the proper response. And then we have the, this hinge verse there. We, we've seen that, that God is coming in judgment. Yet we haven't seen why yet. We've just seen that he's coming and, and that the mountains will melt like wax before him. Now we get why in verse 5. All of this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. Now at this point, if, if, if the people in Judah are, are listening to Micah and hearing this, Israel could refer to, to all of the country, Israel and Judah together. It could just be Israel. They might, they might still be sitting there thinking, yeah, that's right. God, you go judge them. You get that taken care of. And then as he says, what is the transgression of Jacob? That for which this judgment is coming? Is it not Samaria? They've got to be saying, that's right. Those godless people up there, take care of them. Judge them, rip them apart. And what is the high place of Judah, he says? Is it not Jerusalem? And now all of a sudden that idea of God judging those people for what they did comes home a lot closer and a lot more uncomfortably. And so we see then we start looking at, at what, is, what is this transgression? What is this sin in the house of Jacob? What is this that we're seeing there? Verses 5, 6, and 7, we did 5, where we is for the transgression of Jacob, the sins of the house of Israel. 6 says, therefore, I will make Samaria a heap in the open country, a place through planting vineyards. I will pour down her stones into the valleys, kicking everything over, uncovering her foundations. 
And what did we see as, as that transgression? What was that sin of Israel? Was it not the idolatry? As, as they pulled away and, and sought all the different ways that they could find to, to worship God without worshiping God. As they created their high place, as they raised their Asherah poles. As they even, again, made, made golden calves and danced around to it. As they followed the practices of, of all the, the false gods around there. Verse 7, we get this idea of that idolatry. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. Even as God comes in judging Samaria and tearing things apart, tramping it down, he says the stones are being rolled into the valley, the foundations are being laid bare. That even as he's doing that, all the carved images that were there are being beaten to pieces. The wages burned with fire. These carved images would be those things that, that Israel was bowing down to, those things that they created and said, here, Israel, is your God. Here's the one who led you out of Egypt. This little carved whatever it is. Bow down to this. Put your trust in this. These things are being beaten to pieces and laid waste in the fire. Against the one true God, the one who of all is worthy to judge all these lesser gods all these little idols they cannot stand her idols I will lay waste he says in verse 7 for from the fee of a prostitute she gathered them and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return that even as Israel left their true God broke that covenant and left to chase after all these other things and, and so prostituted themselves to all these false gods and, and gathered in all these offerings of gold and whatever so that they could make their idols. Now these idols of that gold through false worship are, are being melted down. And guess what? As Assyria comes in, as God's rod of anger, as Assyria comes in and lays them waste and takes them off and takes these treasures and, and melts them down, they're going to go back to Assyria to be offerings to their false gods. And we see that as Israel chases after these, these false gods in order to protect them, chases after these false gods in order to provide for them, That they cannot stand. They can't stand even against the Assyrian army. And it's easy for us to look at at ideas of, of high places and Asherah poles and, and carved images and, and golden calves and all that. Because our idolatry today doesn't look like that. Our idolatry today looks like when we put business first. When we make even things as good as the success of our kids. When that becomes first. 
when that takes all the priority over everything else, it becomes an idol. Making money, having the nicest things, enter in whatever you want. I actually found a, a copy of this picture that in place of that golden calf had a golden apple. And everybody had cell phones and laptops in their hands. Our idols look different. Sorry, Rob. Doc liked that one a lot. <laughs> what are those things to which we look? Those things to which we look to say, if only I have this, then I'll be fulfilled. If only I can get what? This thing? If only I can have this relationship? If only we can get our bank account to this point, then everything will be okay? Then I won't have to worry about anything. Then I won't have to trust anymore. And I see myself in those too. What are our idols today? Because that's the one thing about idols is they always end up failing. Now as we see this this condemning of the idols and, and this judgment being predicted and laid out before Samaria, the capital of Israel, the place where, where so much of this is happening, we also need to consider what is our response when we see that kind of thing. I mean, when it's, when it's pointed at us, it's one thing, but when we see it for others, what is our response? Because Micah, even as he predicts this, this judgment that's coming, even as he speaks of how Samaria will be laid waste and the idols will be burned, he, does, he doesn't do it with pride. He doesn't do it with laughing. In the next verse he says, For this I will lament and wail. I will go stripped and naked. I will make lamentation like the jackals. I will scream. I will cry. I will be completely undone as I see the sin that goes against God and I see the way it affects people. He laments for that judgment that's coming. He wails because of it. And yet even, even in the midst of that, he also sees the, the infectious disease that sin is, the, the cancer that, that sin is, that idolatry is, and the way it spreads. Because in verse 9, he's, he's still looking at this and says, Her wound is incurable, and it has come to Judah. It is reached to the gate of my people, to Jerusalem. The sin spreads. 
The disease of idolatry spreads and there is only one cure and that is in God. And as we look to anything else to cure that spread, it fails. As, as we look at the sin that's happening and, and, and our response to it is, we just need to be stronger. We just need to avoid these things. We just need to this, this, or this. It fails. Our own willpower is not strong enough to stand up against it. Our own strength is not strong enough. And even if we were able to stand up to it and and to buy our own willpower, by our own strength, say, I will not fall for all these idols. I will not fall into idolatry. I will not do this sin. You know what probably comes next is, look how great I am. Look how proud I am that I didn't do those things. And we're right into the different kind of idolatry that elevates me above everything else. We see news reports of of shootings in Texas. We see scandals that come out of Hollywood. We we see all these things that that we look at in L.A. and, and New York, and we say, look how sinful they are. Look at the things that they're doing. Those people out there should get themselves right with God. And yet, even as Micah is talking here, That disease comes to Judah. It reaches the gates of my people. Because we can talk about reform in Hollywood. But what about the movies that we still go see? We can talk about about how sleazy people are out there. They're doing those things and, and ignore the things that we do in our homes. The things that are evident on on computers. We can talk about, about the craziness of somebody going and shooting things up and then come right back home and say how we hate this person because they have done us wrong. I can't stand this person because they, they just annoy me too much. And the roots of those same sins are taking hold here and now. And that's what we get in that next several verses. 10 through 16 as we get all those names. We get all these different cities that are, that are right around this area here. Right in the heart of Judah in this country. As they're, as they're coming up to Jerusalem, everything coming up right to the door. In fact, when, when the king Sennacherib came through, we talked about him last week, and he came through and he waylaid 46 cities, he says in his records, and went right up to Jerusalem and shut up Jerusalem like birds in a cage. A lot of the cities that Micah is talking about here were cities that he laid waste to there as we see that judgment continue to come. And through that whole section there, we we get a lot of different names from places right around there, places right close to where they are. And wordplay on those names in the original languages 
be it sounding like another word or being derived from another word. It's like if Micah were, were writing to us here today. We'd take names from around here. He'd say, in Amherst, there is only hurt. Sumner experiences only winter. Broken bow is broken and laid bare. And in Mason City, one brick is not left on another, while in Miller, the saw cuts them in two. He looks at all these cities, places around, places that are close to him, places that are dear to him. And sees the judgment that comes because the sin of idolatry continues to spread. And so in that final verse, in verse 16, he says, Make yourself bald, cut your hair for the children of your delight. He's calling on on these ideas of of mourning, these ideas of of the tragedy that's coming. Mourn for those around us. Mourn for the very ones that are at your feet. Increase in your mourning, increase in your wailing. Because this judgment is coming and they will go off into exile. Micah is seeing all these things. And it's breaking his heart. I told you it's not necessarily a fun one. But what do we see as we look at at this first judgment prophecy? Of the way the, the prophet receives this word from God, the way he tells it to the people. What does it mean as we consider it in in terms of doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God? When the prophet sees that this is coming, sees this judgment coming, he doesn't stand there with an air of, you've got this coming and you deserve it, so just buck up. But rather it breaks his heart. He doesn't point his finger at Israel in in proud judgment. But he wails and he weeps to see the sin that that infects the lives around him. We see this call to stand against idolatry. But again, it's not a call that that we can answer on our own. Israel didn't go into idolatry because they thought it would be a great idea. They, they went into idolatry because they thought it made good political sense. It made good sense to maintain the strength of our people by keeping our people here. It made good sense. Well, what may have made the best political sense brought terrible judgment upon them. And in our day, we do the same. We have these questions posed to us. And we want to make a list of pros and cons before we get on our knees and we ask Jesus, what would he have us do? We want to look and and make the decision that makes the best sense from the information that we have 
while maybe not considering that our information is incomplete and our ability to process it is incomplete. Who is like the Lord? Who is worthy to be praised? Who is worthy to be worshipped? It's not us. It's not our learning. It's not our stuff. All of that are gifts that God has given us. And we worship Him for who He is. So today, by God's grace, let us stand against those things that would try and attract our attention. Let us take them and lay them down before the Lord. Those troubles that come upon us, those trials that come upon us, let us lay them down before the Lord. And let's not be too quick to point our finger at somebody else's judgment, at somebody else's failings. As Jesus said, pulling the plank out of our own eye before getting the speck out of somebody else's. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Your love that we see in your justice. That even as we look at these words of Micah, we see, Lord, that sin is a big deal. It's not just something small that we can sweep under a rug. We see, Lord, that you are holy. And you will judge sin, not because you like judgment, but because that you are justice. And you are love. To that end, Lord, I thank you. Father, I thank you for sending your Son. That he took what was justly my penalty. So that we could have his righteousness. We could have his faithfulness can experience your mercy. Help us, Lord, as we see those around us to love them well. To stand up against sin, against injustice, and to do so in a loving way that remembers that we are rightly there as well. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.